Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Chris Smith. We are at the NEPM Asparagus Festival. How are everybody doing? How's everybody doing? <laughs> That's what you do when you do a live show. I know. And then when you say, I couldn't hear you, even though we could. <laughs> we want to hear you louder. How's everybody doing? Yeah. That's, That's more why like here. it. I'm Monty Belmonte. Hadley Asparagus. Hadley Grass. Arguably the 413's most famous agricultural offering. Some call us the asparagus capital of the world. The late Queen of England for many years requested Hadley asparagus to be served at her annual spring feast. And given the effects the number one asparagus in the world has on the human body, this is where we get the term the royal we. It is not. It's not where we get that from. Coming up, a wine Thunderdome live, maybe a pizza quest. But let's start off with a song from the artist who just finished up their set here, Latin Grammy Award winner, making his home here in Western Mass, Mr. G and the Global Citizen Ensemble. Welcome, Mr. G. Thank you so much. Great to be here. <laughs> We've also got Marcos Carreras, yes. who was on the show a couple weeks ago. Hola. Hola. And who are the, stu who are the students you have with you, Marcos? We have three of our amazing sixth grade singers. We have Mia Diaz, Inais Canela, and Cadence Sharp. From which school? From the one and only Springfield Conservatory of the Arts Magnet School in Springfield in the 413. The 413. Well, let's hear a song from Mr. G and the Global Citizens Ensemble. So this is a, a song called How Many Squirrels Are in the World. It just came out as a picture book from Penguin Random House. As opposed to the random penguin house, which is at the Lupa Zoo. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Y'all need to get your hands in the air and get ready to clap. Here we go. One, two, three, go! How many squirrels are in the world? How many squirrels are in the world? I'm looking up, I'm looking down. I'm counting squirrels all over town. I see one plus two makes three. Wish I could join them in that tray. Now I see four for the sycamore. Is that five by the behind? How many squirrels are in the world? How many squirrels are in the world? I'm looking high and I'm looking low. I'm counting squirrels everywhere I go. Climbing high, there's six and seven. Could that be eight along the gate? Do I see nine or is that ten? Oh, me, oh, my, will it ever end? How many squirrels are in the world? How many squirrels are in the world? A group of squirrels is called a scurry. They move so fast, my eyes get blurry. Climbing this high is getting hard. So I'll just stick with my backyard. There are lots of squirrels in our oak tree. Can you count along with me? How many squirrels are in the world? How many squirrels are in the world? I thought we'd finished 
But here come others Lots of sisters Lots of brothers How many squirrels Are in the world How many squirrels Are in the world I'm counting squirrels If I where I go And someday soon I'm gonna know How many squirrels Are in the world How many squirrels Are in the world Thank you so much. Can you have a title track for a book? Because if there was, that would be the title track for <laughs> Mr. G's book. How many squirrels are in the world? Is the answer at the end of this book? How many squirrels are there? You have to get the book and then engage in some scientific inquiry and then report back. Well, now, <laughs> I happen to have the book right here, so that's very exciting. Thank you so much, Mr. G and Marcos Carreras and members of the Global Citizens Ensemble. Gracias. All right, thanks for Gracias, amigos. De nada. De nada. It was, uh, this is the signature sound stage at the NEPM Asparagus Festival, and there's more great music if you're here live on Saturday, as you all are, right? Yeah, you're alive. If you're listening on Monday, too bad. Sorry. Uh, but joining us... If you're listening on Monday, you just had the great music. There you, you go. You, yeah, you had the great music, and you can go listen to great music on your own. But <laughs> we're really glad to be here at the NEPM Asparagus Ooh. Festival, and this is a celebration of all things agricultural. And joining us this afternoon for the broadcast, our USDA Rural Development State Director for Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island, Scott Soares. Scott was... Yeah. Thank you. Stop the USDA. <laughs> Federal dollars at work. Yes. Scott was previously appointed to the role by President Obama and was uh, reappointed after a mysterious four-ish year gap by President Biden. Soares began his career at the Massachusetts Department of Agricultural Resources, where he held a variety of leadership positions. Through his work as executive director of the U.S. Cranberry Marketing Committee, Soares worked with the cranberry industry across the U.S. In his spare time, Scott Shucks, which is the name of his oyster farming and catering business. Thank you so much for joining us, Scott Soares. Great to be here. Thanks, Monty. We're not disappointed that you didn't bring oysters. It's totally fine. We're also joined by the commissioner of the Massachusetts Department of Agricultural Resources, Ashley Randall. Ashley is a fifth-generation dairy farmer who was sworn in as the 21st commissioner by Governor Maura Healey back in March. She is the first woman to lead the department and assume the role after having served as deputy commissioner since 2018. Welcome, Ashley Randall. Thank you, Cleese and Monty. And we're joined by some other guy. Our Thursday friend. Congressman Jim McGovern. (laughs) We have a regular segment with him on the show on Thursdays, McGoverning with McGovern. Congressman McGovern represents the 2nd District of Massachusetts in the House of Representatives. He's a vocal advocate for his district and a global leader working to end hunger, protect human rights, and promote peace. He said on the show on Thursday that he likes his asparagus with a little bit of olive oil and salt and pepper on the grill. But then you also said, and this is my family took note of this, you said flaming hot, right. and we were expecting you to say Cheetos or something. Were you meaning spicy chili crisps? Yes, <gasps> absolutely. Like Lao Gan Ma? Yeah, Lao like, Gan Ma? Like it's like a red jar? Oil? Yeah. That's yeah. stuff. Absolutely. Get it. The hotter, it the better. It is the best. It's good on everything, including ice cream. You can get the big jar at Mom's in Amherst or go to Trans World Market right, right down, down the street, street on Route 9 and get it. Thank you for joining us, Congressman Jim McGovern. <laughs> Thank you. And our co-host in honor from Plainfield Farm right here in Hadley, Wally Sykowski. Hey. Wally Sykowski. Hey. 
I try not to play favorites when it comes to farmers, but you're right up there, Wally Sykowski, and you are the person who is putting the asparagus in the NEPM Asparagus Festival. But one thing that I love most about you, Wally, is how you pronounce this, our favorite crop of the day. Please tell us what you call this vegetable. It's asparagus. <laughs> asparagus. Now, I've asked other members of the Sykowski family if they also call it that, they tell me no, but I have loved forever, even when I did a, a television piece with you for Connecting Point years ago, uh, uh, you, the way that you say the vegetable. Say it again. Asparagus. Asparagus. It's beautiful. It is. Now, Wally, how has the asparagus crop been in 2023? It's been a pretty good year here. We didn't get the frost that other people got. We've had to irrigate a lot, but overall, I can't complain. It started really slow. May was really a good month. Now it's slowing down, but the rain we got last night will help. That's great. Because asparagus is almost all water. Mm. Right. Aren't we all? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the frost didn't agree with me either, but the frost that happened a couple weeks ago was disastrous by some accounts. Ashley Randall, who is the new commissioner of the Mass Department of Agricultural Resources, I've been hearing from my farmer friends some variety in how uh, devastating that frost was, but in some cases it was tragic, losing up to 80 to 90% of what they may have to offer. What are you hearing from farmers, particularly here in the four counties of Western Mass, about how that frost affected them? Well, along the same lines, Monty, we've been talking to our farmer friends at the department and the impacts from the frost were really devastating. Some farms lost their entire crop for the season. There's some local farms that lost their blueberry crop, which is really rare this time of year. Apple orchards were impacted after the February 4th impacts of peaches being lost and a lot of stone fruits. So across the board and across the state, farms are having a shocking start to the season with that freeze. And this comes on the heels of another climate, well, at least environmental for a day, maybe not climatological, but maybe a disaster that essentially wiped out peaches along the eastern right. seaboard earlier in the season. So we have state agriculture with Ashley Randall represented here. We have federal agriculture represented with Scott Soares in the USDA. And then we have our federal elected official, at least for this region, Congressman Jim McGovern. The Farm Bill will also be debated at some point this year. Uh, maybe we'll get to that in a little bit, but let's talk about what did happen over the last week. How, what is the USDA's response to help support some of the local farmers who may have lost their, uh, a significant portion of their crop uh, in that frost a couple weeks ago, Scott Soares? And lean right into that microphone right there. <laughs> Should I go down like No, that? you can lift it up. <laughs> Lower, right? Lower. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah so for, for us, I'm with USDA Rural Development, and I'll, I'll start with who we're not. Uh, we're not the guys who put the stamp on the meat. Okay. We're not the guys who put the organic seals on the, on the egg cartons. Uh, we're the agency that does home financing, uh, community financing, as well as work with rural businesses like farms to help develop farms. Our sister agency, Farm Service Agency, who's not here with us today, uh, they do a lot of insurance programs and they actually have a disaster declaration process that is engaged when things like the frost happens that gives relief to the farming community that otherwise wouldn't be available to them. Was it engaged in February when the first frost happened? It, it was. So there was a recent uh, d disaster declaration. And it's different than the broader governmental disaster declarations, but it's specific to providing relief to the farming community. So there was one uh, in, in February. And in fact, 
it's no surprise to folks that we're seeing these more and more frequently. So coming back to my agency, one of the things that we do, and it's in large part thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act and new solar renewable projects, energy projects. In fact, Barstow's Dairy Farm, not far from here, big anaerobic digester project. We finance things like that that help get at more alternative renewable energy resources that help mitigate uh, climate change and climate impact. Is there a similar emergency declaration that happens on the state level? Ashley Randall, the commissioner of MDAR, which is my favorite Star Wars planet in the Mustafar system. <laughs> <laughs> so typically what happens with the process is farmers will go to their county FSA offices and then their FSA is Farm Service Agency. And when they go to those offices, then the state FSA office will work with USDA, United States Department of Agriculture, to do the declaration. <laughs> but we are currently across the region meeting as state commissioners because there were so many widespread impacts to see if state disaster aid can be provided. So then the other piece of the puzzle here, we've got the commissioner of Massachusetts Department of Agriculture, we've got our rural commissioner for the USDA, and then our elected official congressman, Jim McGovern. What's your role and your office's role when something like this happens locally to our farmers? Well, usually farmers call me, but then I call Ashley and I call Scott to get <laughs> guidance uh, as to what I need to do. Look, I want to, you know, I, I grew up in a city. I grew up in the city of Worcester. Um, and as redistricting occurred 10 years ago, I inherited a, a, a great deal of western Massachusetts and a lot of farms. I got to know people like Wally and others, uh, and I admire and respect what they do. They work awfully hard. Uh, and I've come to appreciate that agriculture is an important part of our economy here in Massachusetts. And sometimes we take it for granted. So my job is to be a cheerleader for our farmers, to connect the dots, and to make sure in Washington, when we have a farm bill, that the funding is going to things that will actually help farmers in Massachusetts and not the big agribusinesses in the Midwest. Uh, so that's what I do. Well, I want to... Oh, go no, ahead. No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk more about the farm bill. I think we're going to take a little break here. And then we'll come back, we'll talk about the farm bill. We'll talk about a little bit more um, farmer tragedy, sadly, uh, with Wally Sykowski, but about how tight-knit the farming community is here. And it'll go to show you, I think, why a celebration of our agricultural community via the means of asparagus at this asparagus festival is an important thing to do. It's also an important way to support your public media with New England Public Media live from the Asparagus Festival on the Hadley Town Common with farmer, Asparagus farmer Wally Sykowski, <laughs> Congressman Jim McGovern, Scott Soares of the USDA, and Ashley Randall, the Commissioner of MDAR, as well as Khalees Smith and me, Monty. We'll be right back live from the NEPM Asparagus Festival. You're listening to the Fabulous 413. Welcome back to the Fabulous 413, live from the NEPM Asparagus Festival. <laughs> I'm Khalees Smith, I'm here with Monty Belmonte, and we are here with Representative Jim McGovern, Ashley Randall from MDAR, and Scott Soares of the USDA, as well as Wally Sykowski, one of our favorite asparagus farmers. <laughs> I say it as, as asparagus in his honor. I kind of want to change it in my vocab to say asparagus because I like it. It's better to say. It feels nicer. There are all sorts of. Um, I, I want to talk to our word nerd about this, about the evolution of the word asparagus, which I heard came from sparrow grass that we then just hybridized into this word asparagus, sparrow mm -hmm. grass. You can. That'll be better suited for a Wednesday conversation with Emily yes. Brewster, resident wordster from Merriam-Webster. We'll see. Um, 
Wally, being a farmer is never easy. Year to year, it can all be different. We've heard already about the frosts this year that affected a lot of different farms. Luckily, not a bad year for your right. most famous crop, asparagus. But there has been, and I, I should mention too, that you are, you're one of the chief boosters of this festival when it comes to the actual asparagus. There'll be a bunching competition here right after this show that you can witness and participate in. Um, that will be judged by whom, Wally? It's going to be Esteban Pacheco. Oh, cool. And what, where does he um, farm? Oh, he helps us at our farm. He's Excellent. from Puerto Rico. Nice. Nice. So there has been a couple of recent tragedies in regards to the farming community right here in Hadley and then right across uh, the border in Amherst even last night. Do you want to yes. talk to us a little yeah. bit about that? First, I'm going to correct a mistake you... Uh-oh. Is it because uh, I called it asparagus once? No, no. Okay. It is pretty easy farming. We get to be outside... And no matter what the weather, it's still better to be outside than inside. So, I'm a confirmed indoorsman, so I'll take some umbrage with that. I like outdoors in small doses. Okay. Like uh, medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Just, but yeah, this has been a bad 10 days for this area. Uh, Tommy Phil died in a tractor accident about a week ago. Uh, he lived just up the road here on West Street. And um, it, it's really tragic. It, it is. It was just one quick second of inattention, maybe, and he got run over and, and died. It's a huge tragedy. It's a huge and, tragedy. And his family farm was big into the Hadley asparagus as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But the, the Phil family is an incredibly tight family, but they're married into the Boysford family, which is another farm family in Hadley. And then they're married into the Pipchinsky family, which is another farm family in Hadley. <laughs> so basically, you have all of the farm families in Hadley hurting because of Tommy's death. And his father is the one who normally does the bunching contest, but he just isn't yeah, in the mood. The yeah, funeral no. was yesterday. Well, we honor his memory, and we honor their family, and we extend our condolences to them because they are and have been a big part of the farming community and this festival mm -hmm. in years past. Um, On the bright side, his sons are just going to continue the farm, so that's all good. Another triumph out of tragedy story in regards to showing you how tight-knit the agricultural community is here in Western Mass, and I'm sure elsewhere too, um, is what happened last night at a farm in Amherst. You want to tell us that story? Storm. Yeah. The J&J Waskevich farm was struck by lightning yesterday late in the day, and uh, they lost their two barns the packing area for their vegetables when they grade potatoes, and then part of the house even was lost. Oh. Um, they had quite a few cows, but luckily not a single cow died. They were all outside. But I think the most amazing thing about this, Monty, is at 10 o'clock last night, Maple Line Farm, Allard Farm, Divine Farm, and probably a few others I didn't even see or hear about, were loading cows in the dark taking them back to their own farms to feed them, water them, and milk them today. Uh, that's just amazing. Mm -hmm. And there, it, well, the word spread in the small community, and they just came to the rescue they just at came. the moment's notice. They just came. And that I find amazing. Ashley, you grew up with dairy. It <laughs> seemed like pretty typical of, of dairy farming community. Like I will say that the dairy community really is a tight-knit community, but also the Western Mass community, farming community is very tight-knit. And when anything like this happens, 
everyone's always willing to help one another and step up at a moment's notice. And fortunately, we saw that last night. And as Wally said, with no cows or people being injured, that's always the biggest concern. So that was very fortunate. And now it's just working with the family as they look to the next steps of what the process of rebuilding or continuing on is. We are at the NEPM Asparagus Festival, the fabulous 413, with me and Khalees Smith and Ashley Randall, the Commissioner of the Mass Department of Agricultural Resources, Scott Soares from the USDA, Congressman Jim McGovern, and our co-host for our special show here live, Asparagus Farmer Wally Sykowski. It is fun to say, try it yourself. Yes, it is fun <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Congressman Jim McGovern, uh, this past week, and even just yesterday, Congress has finally passed uh, the debt ceiling exclusion. The debt ceiling will be lifted, averting an economic crisis, not just for this country, but also potentially for the globe. The Farm Bill will also be debated, we hope, this year. A lot of what went into the debate regarding the debt ceiling raising had to do with SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition, uh, Nutritional Assistance Program, food stamps, which... Uh, is something that we've talked frequently about over the years in regards to supporting people to make sure they have enough to eat. Is SNAP, is this a good thing now that this conversation has ended with SNAP? And does, will the farm bill be easier to negotiate now that SNAP may be off the table in regards to that debate? Or do you anticipate that we will have to re-debate SNAP and people's assistance, uh, food assistance for the farm bill itself? Well, it, it hasn't ended, unfortunately. And, and Speaker say. McCarthy, uh, right after the vote, uh, said we're just beginning, and the farm bill we're going to cut SNAP even more. We're going to uh, we're, we're going to apply work requirements to to mothers with kids as young as seven years old. Look, um, the deal that was struck averted a a catastrophe, but it was a lousy deal, uh, and all the sacrifices to balance the budget are aimed at the most vulnerable in our country, uh, and that's just that's just wrong. Um, and as Scott will tell you, uh, some of the cutbacks in discretionary spending will impact directly USDA and the ability to support a lot of local farmers here. There'll be less money coming to the state, coming to farmers, not just here in Massachusetts, but across the country. But we should never, ever be in a situation where we compromise benefits for people who are struggling in this country. We are better than that. Um, I, I'm grateful to President Biden for making an awful deal less awful. But at the end of the day, I voted no. To, I want to send it back. Um, and, and to drop these egregious provisions that are targeted at the most vulnerable in our community. Uh, and so, uh, and by the way, also attacks on monies going to combat climate change. These weather patterns that we're seeing here are, are not just happening out of the blue, they're happening because our planet has a fever. We are now having extreme weather patterns where farmers one year have uh, droughts and the next year have torrential rains. We have these incredible storms like we saw yesterday. It's not happening by accident. And we got to wake up. we got to do something now. That's Congressman Jim McGovern, our regular Thursday guest. You can always send in a question for the congressman. Please uh, do. Yeah, the Fab 413 at NEPM.org. We're also joined by USDA Commissioner Scott Soares and the Commissioner of MDAR, Mass Department of Agricultural Resources, Ashley Randall. We've talked a lot about doom and gloom in regards to farming <laughs> at this celebration of agriculture in this first half of the show. So we've also heard some stories about how the community really rallies around itself, which I think is really positive. This celebration of asparagus is uh, an example of that. I want to know from each of you, we already got Congressman McGovern's 
favorite way to eat asparagus. <laughs> Grilled salt pepper, laogoma, spicy chili crisps. Scott Soares, favorite way to enjoy <coughs> asparagus. Sorry, asparagus. Asparagus. Uh, I enjoy asparagus wrapped, wrapped in bacon on the grill, a little bit of olive oil, and just grilled up. Just perfect. Yeah. There we go. Ah. Bacon from Pekarski's. Bacon from Pekarski's? Uh, yeah. Shameless plug. <laughs> do, do asparagus and your oysters pair well? Uh, I have not tried that yet. I have not tried that yet. But I guess it would because if you use a puree, a little reduction, put a, just a drop of it on, it's very subtle flavors on both sides. But I think if you blend it, it would be a good pair. Why not grill them both together? Grilled oysters are delicious. Well, oysters grow in one place, and asparagus, asparagus grows, <laughs> grows, grows in another. And uh, the two shall not meet. <laughs> it was at this festival last year that you introduced me to a term that I had never heard before. I am a wine snob. We have a wine thunderdome on our show. We're about to have one. We're about to have one live here at the Asparagus Festival for NEPM, a little Hadleytown Common in a little bit. Uh, but you, terroir means the placiness from which a wine is grown. The schist soil that we tasted on the radio the other day made Vino Verde taste much different than the granite soil. When it comes to your oysters, which you grow where again, Scott Soros? Uh, Arum, Dartmouth. So, upon uh, 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 Bay, South Dartmouth, Massachusetts. UMass Dartmouth grad, grad right? Correct, yeah. Yep. Nice. Yep. There is a term in regards to where oysters are grown that you introduced me to at this very festival last year, and that is? Uh, miroir. <laughs> so like terroir, the placiness of earth. Yep. Miroir, miroir. miroir. Yep. the placiness of the water. Does Correct. that affect yep. mussels too, or just oysters? To some degree, but mussels that you don't have the raw, you don't eat those raw, so with oysters, because they do pick up the flavor of place, although they're all virtually the same species, eastern oyster, you can have all different varieties. So if you go to any oyster place, if you get Wellfleets or Barnstables or Paydenarum Oyster Farm oysters, they're all, they all pick up a little bit different flavor. And like wines, seasonally, they're also impacted based on how much rain we have, how much sun. So they're very much influenced by where they grow and, and how they're grown. Ashley Randall, the new commissioner of the Mass Department of Agricultural Resources, local person growing up here in the 413. Favorite way to eat asparagus? So I would say grilled asparagus is my favorite, but if I'm feeling a little fancy, we'll do it with Parmesan cheese, prosciutto, little drizzle of olive oil, and a little lemon. Nice. Khalees, we haven't asked you what your favorite way to eat asparagus is. Not overcooked. I like that. <laughs> First bunch of asparagus that I get every year, I always get at least two because I know at least most of one is going to be eaten raw on the way home. Yeah. So there's something very special about raw asparagus, too. Shaved with lemon, like cure it really quick for like half an hour with a little bit of salt and then toss it in any vinaigrette. It's the best. We are live at the NEPM Asparagus <laughs> Festival with the fabulous 413 and Ashley Randall from MDAR, Scott Soares from USDA, Congressman Jim McGovern, and our co-host for this special episode from Plainville Farm here in Hadley, Wally Sykowski. More live, including a wine Thunderdome, a beer tasting. We were gonna do a pizza quest, but the line was too long for vegan pizza <laughs> land. So I don't think that's gonna happen, but we'll be back we'll with you. We'll get to them eventually. Too many of you have recommended it. Yeah, we'll be back with you in just a minute here on the Fabulous 413 on NEPM.
The fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, offering solar options, energy security, and solutions for the local community. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. Welcome back to the fabulous 413, taping live from the NEPM Asparagus Festival. I forgot where I was for a second. I don't know how. Everything's covered in asparagus. (laughs) It is a great festival. It's a great way to support New England Public Media. I've been a big fan of this festival before I was employed by New England Public Media. And uh, many of the things that I've enjoyed most about it at the festival have had to do with food and beverage. Yes. Did our co-host Wally Sykowski leave? Oh, I think... Asparagus farmer Wally Sykowski? I did say everyone was off the hook, and that didn't mean Wally, but I I think our wires might have gotten crossed. Oh, all right. Well, we'll try to get him back. Wally Sykowski (laughs) from Plainville Farm is the person who brings all the asparagus to this festival, and uh, if you're here live, you will enjoy an asparagus bunching competition uh, right after this show. We'll tell you how it goes uh, next week on the air on the fabulous 413 but there's all sorts of great food trucks and food here as well as beers and wines and if you've listened to the show since its inception in february we have done a wine thunderdome weekly where we take two wines and we two wines enter one wine leaves a la mad max beyond thunderdome it is now officially the Tina Turner Memorial Wine Thunderdome who sang the iconic song <laughs> from Mad Max. Beyond I'm so the glad we don't have to listen to me butchering it today because we were out it? here. No. You don't want to sing it live now? No. I'm not warm. That's for later. <laughs> Lee Smith will be playing with the Soul Magnets here on the Signature Sound for stage. For anybody who's here real late, you'll get to see me sing maybe. At 5.30. But we thought, given the fact that we were have all of these wonderful folks uh, right in front of us here at the tent that we would do a Wine Thunderdome Live. Indeed. And joining us from Black Birch Vineyards. Michelle. Michelle, what's your last name, Michelle? Kersbergen. Okay. That's a mouthful. I'm going to yeah. that <laughs> make you say it every time. I've got Sykowski down like this. Kersbergen? <laughs> well, yes, I had to I had to add that complexity to the name there. So Kersbergen. Yeah. It actually Kersbergen. translates to Cherry Mountains. It's a Dutch oh, name. cool. Kersbergen. Yes, Kersbergen is the proper uh-huh. pronunciation. So Kers is cherry. Bergen is mountains. So I'll just try I'm to thinking. make a mnemonic device that when Murphy Brown ended, I had to curse Bergen because that show was so good it should have never ended. <laughs> Everyone has questions for you right okay. now. I just, Everyone. I know. All right. So, Michelle, you are from Blackbird Vineyard. Tell us about where you're located and uh, what you're growing there, what you're venting there. Is that how you say it? Yeah. yeah. Where you were originally Wine located, maybe. too, because you were in... We West, were in Southampton, Southampton originally, and then you moved yep. to Hatfield. We, we moved to North Hatfield yeah. uh, uh, back in 2017, and we planted uh, 12 acres at that time, or just under 12 acres. Uh, we've since grown it another five, six acres in 2021, so we have about 18 uh, acres under vine currently. Um, the first planting we did, we grew, uh, well, we planted uh, 10 varieties. Um, for whites, we planted Riesling, Chardonnay, Traumanet, uh, Gruner Veltliner. Uh, for reds, we planted Pinot Noir, uh, Blau Frankish, which is also known as uh, uh, Lemberger. Um, uh, let's see, Marquette, Shalaw, Frubegunder, and... Cab Franc. So 
Yes. Now, some of those grapes may be grapes that people have heard of. Maybe Cab Franc, Pinot Noir. The two Austrians in Riesling. there. Good yes. job. Yes. <laughs> cooler climate. We're cooler climate. Traminet, so. All of those are names that may not be as familiar to wine drinkers. Tell us about those grapes, where they came from, and why they work here in the 413, which is establishing itself as a wine region, but may not be the first region that jumps to mind when you think of wine. No, so we're, we're a cool climate. It's Traminette, for example, which is one of the wines I have here that you'll be trying. Um, it's actually developed out of Cornell University, originally University of Minnesota, but since then, Cornell was the one who, they took it a next step further. And it is uh, actually similar to a Gewürztraminer. So one of the varieties that they had um, developed this Traminette from was Gewürztraminer. So it has a lot of similar characteristics. But these are cold, this is a cold hardy variety, so we get cold winters here. It has to withstand colder temperatures. Um, it's also a later budding, so when we have late frost and freezes like we do here in New England, it was actually one of the varieties that did, that actually did okay, thankfully, um, out of our uh, 18 acres. And it's also one of the later um, varieties that ripen. So again, it's, it's kind of just meant for this cooler climate. Also uh, less prone to disease, um, which is where we have a pretty humid climate here in the summer. It's not generally dry, so it's not prone to some of the diseases that uh, Pinot Noir or Cab Franc can, can uh, get. Were you also hit by the frost in, in oh, May? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. We probably lost 60 to 70% of our yield this year. So. And again, I don't mean to be the prophet of doom and gloom and the celebration <laughs> of local agriculture. And on that note, let's drink maybe wine. We should, maybe we should say thunder doom, not thunder no, doom. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> We're trying to encourage like the uplift Luckily, here. so far, we have always liked both of the wines, but we are just making it so that we have to choose one. Right. Which of the grape varieties were most impacted? You mentioned Chaminade, it was, is, was developed to be resistant to our type of climate. What ones did not do so well because well, of our type of climate? I mean, uh, you know, mid to late May, most of our vines are leafed out in some, in some stage. So Marquette is usually uh, also cold hardy variety. It's early, it does, has the earliest bud break and had the most development. So that actually was impacted the most because it was furthest along with, with their bud break. And that's basically where the fruit develops. So that's pri all that primary uh, growth got damaged for the most part. But it was very random. It's just, it was very strange. I mean, we had, I think about 26, average 26 degrees at the, at the vineyard that night. Oh. Well, I'll say, that if there was ever a year that you were hoping to support local agriculture and your local farmers, this is the this one. This is a good year to be doing it. I can't encourage you specifically to do that, given the means of uh, the constrictions of, of public media. However, think we're, about that. We're not saying specific there are, farmers. There are many ways to support local agriculture. Um, I will also say this public radio station is, in its own way, like a farm share. And it will go away if you do not support that as well. So this is two things, if you believe in them. We encourage you to support, and you can support local grape farming at Black Birch Vineyard and local vintning with the wines that they make there. Michelle Kersbergen, you have brought two wines. Two wines enter. Yes. And one wine we will choose to be our favorite. We also have another, I'm going to say an expert taster with us, from Loophole Brewing. Introduce yourself, sir. Yeah, I'm Jeff Goulet with Loophole Brewing. We're going to talk to you and taste your wares in a little bit. 
And you have some exciting news uh, for right down the street from Which where, so where we are about. broadcasting <laughs> from. But first, we're gonna. Would you taste with us as well, Jeff? Of course. Okay, excellent. You do make alcoholic beverages for a living, so I figure you'll be somebody <laughs> who will have a, a professional opinion on this. What's your role at Loophole, for those who might not? I'm one of the co-founders. I uh-huh. uh, handle a lot of the marketing, the social media, uh, and um, ideas for different wines. So I like to drive our brewer crazy. Uh, <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. You've done some really fun things with your beers, though. Like a cool, you have a orange blossom, orange blossom, orange honey blossom that is real fun to find. And I'm always encouraged when around my local stores, which have terrible, terrible beer variety, I'm calling out all of the liquor stores in my neighborhood for having just like absolute garbage variety. But when I see yours on the shelf, I get real excited. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. All right. What should we start with first, Michelle, from Black Birch Vineyard? Uh, I would probably do the rosé, which is dry, and it's made from Cabernet Sauvignon. That's a grape people know about. Is this one of the grapes that you are growing, or is this something no, you brought in? No, this, this, uh, we do source uh, probably about 60% of our fruit from the northeast, so primarily from the Finger Lakes or from Long Island. So this Cabernet Sauvignon... These grapes that we actually went down there ourselves, helped harvest, um, brought them back, processed it at, in North Hatfield at Black Birch Vineyard. Um, so this is from Long Island. Jer- oh, go no, ahead, Police. No, what do you no. think? <laughs> it's got a lot of acid and a little bit, a little minerally, but it's like strawberries on the nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty intense. We have not made a rosé from Cabernet Sauvignon before. We've usually made it out of Cabernet Franc. Just in this instance, last year in 2022, um, we weren't able to get the Cab Franc that we normally do. So a lot of intense flavors. I actually think this particular rosé, if it's just slightly warmer, really brings out those flavors. Um, It's got a lot of intense fruit like uh, raspberry. I get raspberry. I get grapefruit. I get um, probably a little bit of cucumber um, in the palate. I get that. Cucumber, I get. A little earthiness there. I was going to say cucumber. Yeah. Yeah. For the the unofficiated wine listener right now, (laughs) there is no actual cucumber. No cucumbers were damaged or injured in the making of this wine. (laughs) Or brewed. No raspberries, no strawberries, none of the other, like... You know, peachy, fleshy, I, peachy. I know there's some thing. enterprising person out there who wants to make cucumber wine, and I'm just here to say maybe don't. Yeah. Um, don't thoughts do on this, Jeff Goulet from Loophole? Yeah, I'm just thrilled to death that I pulled cucumber out of there. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nicely done, sir. And, yeah. I know. Not but a nice little yeah. hint of fruit, too, and yeah. mm-hmm. very yeah. refreshing. Not mm-hmm. typical of, I don't, I mean, like I said, Cabernet Sauvignon is not our typical rosé grape variety, but uh, we're pretty happy with it. And 2022 was a pretty dry year, so that's where you're getting a lot of those intense flavors from. We're doing a Wine Thunderdome Live from the NEPM Asparagus Festival. Let's taste wine number two with Michelle from Black Birch Vineyard here at our fabulous 413. So the next one you're trying is the Traminette. Uh, This is actually fruit sourced from the Finger Lakes. Uh, It's a 2021, so it's a year year older um and if you remember or maybe not i mean we we think about our growing seasons all about weather uh 21 was a wet summer july and august was really wet even in the finger lakes they had a lot of rain 
Um, there's a lot of nice acidity in this, uh, a lot of lychee. Traumanet is known That's what for I was lychee. going to say. It smells like lychee. Wine yes. snobs love to talk about lychee <laughs> yes. or lychee nuts. To me, it always manifests itself in a little bit of chlorine from a pool, and I don't mind that. Again, <laughs> I don't, no I don't know about that one. Or actual lychee nuts. <laughs> These are all things that he likes. He's like, I want to drink diesel. I want to drink like funk. Diesel. Bring me to like barns. Yeah. Stinky human pheromones. <laughs> like the gym, walls. After gym class. Like, those are all the things I like in wines. Well, the <laughs> Description says three cheers for lychee, so yes. that's the first sentence on the back of the uh, bottle. Yes. But um, there's some nice green apple notes, quince, uh, a lot yeah, of quince. yeah, a lot of um, a lot of good notes there. And then a little t- there is residual sugar uh, in this one, but just because it has a lot of acidity, we like to try to balance it out and add some residual sugar to balance that out, so you get that touch of sweetness. Yeah, and it's a fuller-bodied white too, which and it's really very food-friendly, so it goes great with asparagus. Um, actually, both of them would really work well with asparagus. Um, so if you're making those dinners, you know, and, and include some grilled asparagus, add a bottle of rosé or traumanette to it. Jeff Goulet from Loophole, thoughts on this traumanette? Yeah, lychee is one of my favorite things in the world, and <laughs> I drive my brewer absolutely crazy with lychee. <laughs> He's like, we're not making another lychee beer. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not had lychee. Wait, another lychee not beer? Not to shamelessly plug There was again? a first lychee beer? <laughs> You can often get lychee Where nuts was I? at Trans World Market, the same place you can get the Laogon Ma spicy chili crisp right down the street. From and if here. you're on their Facebook page, you can see when they get them when fresh. They get the lychee nuts in, yeah. yeah. So okay, yeah. Now, I, I love but, lychee, but and this wine uh, is really delicious as well. And I, I like the fact that you, this stands up, uh, whether or not you want to have some spicy Indian food. Or uh, my other favorite, you know, like hungover Chinese food. Yes. This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to get lost in any really flavorful foods. That's the nice thing about Traumanet. It really holds up to a lot of, a lot of different food flavors. All right, Michelle Kersbergen, you are not allowed to vote on your own wines from Black Birch Vineyard. But we will now put these through the Thunderdome. Do you have a favorite? Shall I go first so as not to put anyone on the spot? Sure. My favorite of the two wines, my vote is for the Rosé of Cabernet Sauvignon. (laughs) A little bit less sweet, a little bit more my style, a little bit uh, less grapefruity, and that's my vote. I'm voting for the Tramignette. It's got like upfront acid, but rounds out really nicely in a way that like this one's a little bit too peaky for me. Jeff Goulet from Loophole Brewing, like who we'll talk to We're in just a minute. Traminette lychee. Lychee. Thunderdome live here from the NEPM Asparagus Festival. Both of these wines from Black Birch Vineyard. Both lovely. Would go excellent with asparagus. And hopefully, I saw him floating around with a box of asparagus. We can get Wally Sykowski back up here before the end of the show to talk about the asparagus bunching uh, competition that will happen from the Signature Sound stage at the NEPM Asparagus Festival live from the Hadley Town Common. And we'll hear about some exciting news from our uh, expert taster from Loophole Brewing coming up. But thank you so much, Michelle Kersbergen from Black Birch Vineyard here in the fabulous 413. See, it didn't thank take you. you that long. No, no. <laughs> I, if I don't have your name written down and I can come up with a memory palace of way, I'm, li- I'm literally thinking about Murphy Brown well, to n- remember your last name. N- now you got to try it in the... With the Dutch accent on it. Kersberg. <laughs> Close. Okay. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you know, Kersbergen. Kersbergen. <laughs> Flaubruha. Wow. It's getting better. It's getting better. <laughs> You're listening to the Fabulous 413 live from the NEPM Asparagus Festival. We will be back in just a minute.
back to the Fabulous 413 live from the NEPM Asparagus Festival here on the Hadleytown Common, celebrating our 413's most majestic of crops. Legend has it it was sent many times to the Queen of England to celebrate the spring festival there, and we are here celebrating it to support our public media and to support our farmers. As we heard earlier, not always easy to be a farmer, but the community rallies around the farms and the agricultural community here in the 413 as they do rally around public media here in the 413, and we appreciate supporting both at this festival. I'm joined by Khalees Smith, as usual. Hello. And we're, we'll continue our conversation about drinking uh, live <laughs> on a radio show, live in front of an audience. We can't do Irish, no Irish whiskey here today from the, uh, the crowd, but uh, maybe we'll, we'll work that in later. We're with Michelle Kurzberger from Black Birch Vineyard and with Jeff Goulet from Loophole beer you have an exciting project that is just about to launch i was so psyched to see so i walk to work sometimes since i live up the hill from the studios and walking down down thomas street and saw the signs in the windows of what you're about to talk to us about i was like is that real are you really coming that's gonna be fantastic so i say that to myself every day too (laughs) is that real is that happening (laughs) so jeff goulet tell us what to anticipate for downtown springfield with loophole brewing yeah, so uh, just uh, about a month ago now, we uh, we landed on a building. It took us four years to find it, uh, but we got it. It's a 15,000-square-foot building. Uh, we're that gonna used have... to be a church, right? It did used to be a church. <laughs> I was, so was sure that that was like a euphemism, and it was another strip club, <laughs> but I'm glad that it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, it, uh, there's it been a lot of interesting things that we found in the building. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Not strip club related, but don't just dig too deep related. into the basement. But there was a, the third floor was like a daycare for the uh, and make a Bible study and things. And there's all of these amazing sayings on the wall that are painted on like mural style, which will be future beer names. Oh, <laughs> I love yes. that. Do you, want to, do you want to share at least one of them? Oh, sort of salvation. The, uh, <laughs> sort of salvation. Oh, I love it. I want to go to a church that offers sort of. Yes, salvation. you do. You want to go to a church that acknowledges like human fallacy. I guess so, you're right. I want to go to the church that's like, I don't know. I just like being with y'all. Yes. (laughs) All right, well, Let's. What did you bring for us to taste, Jeff Goulet? So We're not going to do the Thunderdome two style. Beers. I thought I had you. three, but I am not that smart and grabbed two of the same one. Two is fine. But this is our uh, Parapet Pilsner. It's a uh, hybrid between a, a German and a Czech style pills. Cool. Uh, parapet is, is a little wall, a little bridge yeah. barrier. And, you know, we kind of think that between the German and the uh, Czech styles, there's it's just a little wall. Not Not much of a difference. Um, but there is a difference, and uh, uh, we really, you know, try and, and hone in on that European style. Oh, I that's love it. nice. This is really nice. Yeah, thank you. There's almost yeah. like a peanut brittle thing that I got right away there. It was something very savory. Yeah. yeah. Delicious. It's like bready on the, like that nice, like, almondy yeah. thing on the nose, and then it's just clean, yeah. which is what you want in your Pilsner anyway. You know, it's, it's the hardest style of beer to make. It's the beeriest beer to drink, though, yeah. I think. Yeah. Whenever, but there's, I, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. Yes. You know, if you make an IPA and it's not exactly right, just <laughs> shovel some more hops in. And <laughs> Facts. Or, Facts. you know, a triple chocolate almond stout. Yeah. yeah. You can cover a multitude you, of those. You can hide a lot in yeah. malt and stout and, yep. and porter. But, like, yeah, this is it's so clean and it's brewed at such a cool temperature. Like, you got to get it right. That's Otherwise, it. you know. It's the yep. vanilla of beer. It shows how good of a beer maker you might be, yeah. perhaps. That's like, vanilla is well, uh, the standard of 
how good of an ice cream maker you are. Let's yes. taste your uh, last loophole beer here. So this is uh, what we call Hayhook. And uh, while we're here at the wine table, this is a barley wine. <laughs> it's a barley. What's, what differentiates a barley wine from a beer? So when you hit 10%, the government will not allow you to call it beer anymore. Yes. <laughs> so it is wine. And uh, we play on that with the barley wine. Cool. So yeah. This is actually uh, two years old. Ooh. And uh, yeah. we hope that we'll have it for another year or two. This is uh, What's really delicious. remarkable with it is we load that up with hops. So when you first buy that beer, it is a crazy hoppy beer. The next year, the hops dissipate very rapidly, and the malty sweetness starts coming out. So by, by next year, we should have very minimal hops and, and a lot higher on the... Uh, Jeff Goulet, when would we expect Loophole to open in downtown Springfield? Well, you know, a little bit of a dreamer, uh, but I'm hoping for July, and uh, hopefully brewing by September. We're hoping to. A big thanks again to Michelle from Black Birch, Jeff from Loophole, and Wally Sykowski, who's going to be right on this stage bunching asparagus. What makes a perfect bunch of asparagus in the 10 seconds we have left? They've got to be lined up exactly right, all the tips turned in. And you want it to look really attractive. All right, Wally, I can't wait to see this happen live here. You won't hear it on the radio. A huge thanks from the fabulous 413 to our director, Tony, wrangling everybody and timing everything done. <laughs> our technical team hey. is Bart. Some kid asked me what, if I knew what this means. Rankin Kara likes the cabbage rolls because they're warm. Foster, Chris Swenker back at the mothership NEPM in Springfield and Punk Rude Boy Dubay. Special thanks to Vanessa Cirillo and the whole NEPM staff and all the volunteers that made this asparagus festival possible. And a shout out to Marie Wechter, who poured her heart and soul into this event for many, many years. We hope to see you back on the radio tomorrow and back here at the Asparagus Festival for NEPM next year. I'm Monty Belmonte. I'm Khalees Smith. See you tomorrow on the fabulous 413. Woo! Thanks, everybody. Thank you all. Yes.